0: This morning, as we wrap up this series, um, this is the, the last in, in the Broken Religion series, and uh, kind of excited about what God has for us this morning. Um, let me, uh, I want to read the passage over us and then pray and, and dig into it. Uh, uh, starting in verse 8. We see, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are in the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. As And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let me, uh, let me pray and we'll... Dig into what Paul has for us at the end of Galatians. God, I thank you so much for uh, your servant Paul and the words that he wrote many years ago to, uh, to speak to us here today, Father. I pray that, that you would guide us, you would be with us this morning as we seek to uncover what it is you have to say to us, Father. Um, I pray for uh, very practical things that come out of this study today, God. And I pray for very philosophical things that you might change the, the core of us as well god um, lord but but above all, at, at the heart of it, Father, would you reinforce your deep love for us and your completed provision for the corruption that 's in our souls father you 've made us whole you 've made us a new creation, you have given us life with your son, in whose name I pray amen uh, so this series uh, this this sermon this Text is very practical, and it's also very philosophical. At the beginning, it's practical, and at the end of it, at the conclusion of it, it's it's very philosophical. So, I, I want to connect our minds with with those two concepts, and those two ideas. I'm I'm learning a lot. I'm studying a lot about, about preaching, and and there's there's philosophical application and there's practical application that happens from one text to another. And in this text, there's a lot of uh, very practical application, especially at at the beginning. So, um, let's we're going to study kind of in, in depth to begin with, verse 8. Um, verse 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Uh, so what does it mean to sow to the flesh? What what does that mean? Because sowing to the flesh brings corruption. Sowing to the flesh, I found this from uh, uh, an 18th century uh, Commentator named John Gill who says, uh, "One who sows to the flesh is one that pampers his flesh." I'm going to walk through this slowly because I, I want the the depth of of this definition of these words. This quote. To kind of sit on this a second. One that pampers his flesh. And so again, this is a very practical thing. This is stuff that we do all the time. We pamper our flesh. The one who sows to the flesh is one who pampers his flesh, gratifies and indulges the lusts of it. Who minds the things of the flesh, lives after it. Or whose whole bent and study and employment. I want to spend a little bit of time there. Think about that concept. One who souls to the flesh is one whose whole bent in study and employment, everything that you are, is given towards the cravings of your flesh. Uh, and to the increase of his worldly riches and aggrandize himself to neglect of his own soul. So the idea, the concept, what it means to sow to the flesh. You and I sow to our flesh consistently. And when we do that, here's what it looks like. It's everything about us. All the resources that we have to spend—our time, our love, our affection, our money, our energy—everything that we have to spend is about a, a current and momentary gratification of my of of my senses here and now. So it's it's spending your resources on your sensual desires, and we we incorrectly think of the word sensual in a sexual context. But sensual just means I want to please my senses. We all have five senses. And when we're sowing to the flesh, we're trying to satisfy, gratify, spend everything that we are on those sensual pleasures. Stuff that, that looks good to us, tastes good to us, sounds good to us, feels good to us. We're spending on our flesh. And it brings Corruption. What do I mean? What does he mean by corruption? Um, It's fleeting. It's dying. It's death bringing. It's it's cancerous. Corruption is cancerous. When we sow to the flesh, we are bringing about cancer into our, our spirit. So it's breakable. It's an illusion. It's a mirage. It's bringing things like strife, dissension, rivalry, anger, and bitterness and hatred. It's spending on something, spending your resources on something that you know is going to corrupt and kill you. Um, the fact of the matter is this. When we, the, the chances are that every one of us have a tendency in our flesh to spend it in one, one way or another. Right? We have, Hebrew says, that the sin that so easily entangles us. When we wrestle with that, when we give in to that temptation, corruption is the direct response to that. Um, I'm going to tell a story in a second that, that tells exactly what I'm talking about. But let's go on. What does it mean to sow to the Spirit? John Gill again says this about sowing to the Spirit. One that minds and savors the things of the Spirit. What do you, Think about that idea of savoring something. Like... Think of, of really, really good food—the the first or the last bite of a really good meal. Like you don't want to swallow it, right? You want it to sit in your mouth for a while. It's—we uh, we went out a couple of Friday nights ago with with a pastor friend and his wife, and they took us to this really cool dessert place in uh, in Kirkwood, and they had this like gooey butter cake with cinnamon ice cream, and it was like it, actually Jen got it, so like I I only had uh, like a bite or two, but it was this incredible, like the, the taste, it was just incredible. And the last thing that I wanted to do was to swallow it. I wanted to savor it. I wanted to to keep it for a while, like not let it fleet away and, and go away. I can like, if, if, my, if I, I try hard enough now, I can kind of kind of remember that taste and, and I can I experience it again because I spent time savoring it. One's One mind, one that minds and savors the things of the Spirit. When you are engaged with the Spirit, when you sense His presence, we're sowing seeds to the Spirit when we savor it. When we think about all of the, just like I'm thinking about that cinnamon ice cream on top of that gooey, and I can remember that. This is what it means to sow to the Spirit. It also means encouraging the spiritual ministers of the word and relieving the poor of, this is very practical stuff here, encouraging spiritual ministers of the word, relieving the poor of Christ's churches, contributing to the spread of the gospel. That's the main thing that, that, like, one of the things you hear us talking about here at North Church is what we want to do is sow seeds of the gospel is plant the gospel in our context in your marriages in your parenting in your friendships in your workplaces in your in your communities in your church to sow seeds of the gospel this is what it means we're sowing to the spirit when we contribute to the spreading of the gospel and the administration of the word and ordinance in other places what does it mean to so sowing to the spirit Brings the reaping of eternal life. What does it mean to reap eternal life? This is come with me here. It's, it's to be more like who we were created to be, in all and beauty and the majesty of the creation and the creator. To be creative. Do you realize that? Like like I, I'm look out look out here and like uh, Danielle is an incredibly and Mandy and, and Travis these are incredibly creative people. But we were all, all of us, created to be creative. And as we sow seeds of the Spirit in our world and in our life, we, like, we connect with that. And, and what flows out of us is what God intended for us to create in this world. We were, were created to, to be creative, and, and our work is plentiful and lasting and has value and is completed. Do you really want, like, do you want your work to have lasting value? Do you want the things that you busy your life with to have lasting value? Like, seriously, think about that. Do you want, like, in a hundred years from now, do you want the stuff that you busied your life with to still be around. The, the residue to still be around. That's what it means to sow to the Spirit. I, I got a chance on Friday night to hang out with a new friend. His name is Joshua. Um, there was an event at a, a, a church in O'Fallon, Summit actually, the, the church that birthed us. Um, they had an event at their place on Friday night. and So I went and Kyle was there. I was spent a lot of time hanging out with a guy named Joshua and didn't know him before the night. And here's his story. He's a newly divorced guy um, within the last year or so. And he's, he's kind of, I don't know, just an open book. And, and I, I kind of attract those sort of people where we just, we, we kind of begin to tell each other stories. And so he's just laying out a story. We talked for like an hour. And newly divorced guy. And he says, he, here's, here's how it happened. Um, like, I was addicted to pornography. I was uh, an alcoholic. And I had several affairs. And I destroyed my marriage. And he said, I was exposed to pornography at, at a young age. He was like five years old when he was exposed to pornography. And, and from that moment as a five-year-old until today, he still wrestles with pornography. And that's brought this, this sexual sort of deviancy inside of him. This is, I asked him, I'm going to share the story on Sunday, so I'm not letting anything out of the bag. But he's, it, it's, the, it's, it's broken him. And it's broken his marriage. And what he said was, this is really cool. He said that my wife has a little bit of blame for our divorce. She's not innocent in our divorce. But I'm the main culprit. And my addiction, my sexual addiction, and my alcohol addiction are, are the main culprits for my divorce. And what that's brought for him, he's a laborer. So he, he works hard like 50-hour weeks every day. Or 50 every, every week. And so he's... he's now he 's got to pay a different a separate mortgage, and he 's got to pay child support, so he 's working sixty seventy hours a week to pay for this and so like his entire life is about satisfying the corruption that he caused in his world and and his kids he 's got three kids and they 're growing up with without a dad living in, in the home and his wife doesn 't want him to be around and he lives like a couple of blocks away from his family, and it breaks he drives by his family's house every day and it just breaks his heart to know that like he should be in there and he desires to be in there. But there's this brokenness that's very real and it makes him sad. It makes him sad a lot. And so he, what he does, he's trying to serve his wife to because I've, I've messed you up. I've messed up my family. I've messed all this stuff up because of of the corruption of the seeds of the flesh that I've sown into this world. I've corrupted my family. I've corrupted my children. I've corrupted my job. I've corrupted my life. Everything about me is, is corrupt now because of this. But here's, here's the other half of the story. As he's telling me this, there's this Joy that's like all over him, and I'm telling like a really ugly story, right? It's it's terrible. Addiction to to alcohol and and to pornography and 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 adultery and affairs and this this brokenness of a, of a dad and having to work so hard to to overcome all this stuff, and it's it's an ugly thing. But he's got this smile on his face, and then he he starts talking about all the psalms that he's he's like God has ministered the psalms to him, and God has ministered the word to him, and he's brought pastors and, and, and men into his life to to invest the word into him. And there's just a joy about him that doesn't make any sense. And he's telling me the story about, uh, he, like, he's, he's laying some cable underground. He's, like, got a hack through, shoveling through some some ground so he can run cable through. And this is a story that happened, like, a week ago. And he, he's talking about there's an apprentice that's with him. So it's a, a younger guy. He's, like, 20 years old. and And he this younger guy senses like this joy that's about him and how happy he is. And he also knows that this guy really wants to to win his family back. And so he's, he's wrestling with this and, and, and this wire, this cord just won't go in. And he's like really frustrated. He starts screaming and the guy's like the, the kid, the apprentice, like what's, what's wrong. And he said, I just, this just won't work. And he's like, the kid's like, that doesn't like, that's not you, man. What's going on? What's happening in your world? Like, all you are, to me, is this guy who's got a miserable life, who's got a really, really hard life, but you're nothing but happy. And he said that, that's what he said to him. You've got a miserable, tough, hard life, but you're nothing but happy. What's going on in your world? This 20-year-old kid who's far from, has no idea about who Jesus is. All he knows is this guy's got a really tough life, and he's nothing but happy. Can you imagine that? A kid who's got no idea about who Jesus is, speaking that word to you, you're nothing but happy. This is like, his life is the perfect personification of Galatians 6.8. When you sow seeds to the flesh, corruption happens. You can't get around it. You, he's lost his kids and his wife, and he desperately prays every day for hours at a time. That God would allow him to reconcile with his wife. Desperately wants that. But he's nothing but happy. And that's like, I want you to see that. I, I need you to see. Like, I've seen that in my life. There's strife. There's corruption. There's cancer that happens in you. When you sow seeds to the flesh. And there's nothing but happy. There's joy. even in, And it's like it's a false nonsense st- Stupid joy that we think if we do right god 's only going to do good to us that 's not what i 'm talking about because the reality is for this guy, his life sucks in our world and our constant like he 's got to work eighty hours a week to pay child support and his wife hates him, but there 's nothing but happy in him in the middle of that. How does that even make sense it's he is moving towards what God has created him to be. And this is, this is incredible news for the one who's sown seeds of, of, of the flesh and is experiencing the corruption of this life and this world, that there is a hope for you. Isn't it incredible? This is really, really, really good news. Let's go back. Let's read the rest of this chapter, and I promise we'll go quicker with the other verses. You're not going to be here till 2 o'clock. Verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. So these are these are some proverbs. You guys know what proverbs are. It's just a simple statement of, of a good way to live your life. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good. You don't need some. Biblical exegesis and Greek word study to understand what this is telling you to do. What do you guys think this is telling you to do? Not rhetorical. Alright? It's 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 even a little simpler than that. Let's let's read, look at verse nine. Let us not grow weary of doing good. What should you do? Thank you. It's really simple. Like Paul is this deep intellectual guy, but he's writing Proverbs to us here. Let's don't get tired of doing good because look look at the end of of what happens when we do good. Nothing but happy. Even in the middle of awful, terrible circumstances, nothing but happy. I'm I'm picturing my my new friend Joshua in a a hole digging to lay wire and and a 20-year-old kid says to him, Dude, you're nothing but happy. I want somebody to say that about me. Uh, verse nine: Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You're going to reap if you do not give up. Continue, continue to do good. Verse ten: So then, as we have, as we have opportunity, let us do good. To everyone, again, we don't need a lot of biblical explanation here. What are we supposed to do? Do good. To whom are we supposed to do it? Everybody. Do good to everybody. Think about, like, for those of you who have pens and papers, write something down. Who is it? Or for those of you who have like a smartphone, pull it out, write in it. Who is it? Who is God calling you to be good to? Think of think of a very practical person. Go be good to that person. Be good. Do good. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. Here's a slippery thing for us. Um, don't, as, as I'm preparing this, this message this, this week, don't hear me saying, do not hear me saying, that your good doing has anything to do with the way that God sees you whether you're sowing to your flesh or sowing to, to your spirit, your sins have been paid for and God is not angry with you. No matter if, when my friend Joshua, who gave his life to Jesus as a, as a, as a high school kid, whether he was sowing to his, his flesh through pornography, through adultery, through alcohol addiction, through throwing his marriage away, or whether he's Pursuing the Lord with vigor and doing good to all around him. God is not angry with him. Whatever's happening in your world, don't let the enemy lie to you and say that God is still angry with you. His anger was poured out on the cross of Jesus Christ and it's done. His anger is in the past at you. He sees you as Christ. However, in the middle of this, sowing seeds for the flesh is going to bring corruption to your life. Sowing seeds to the Spirit is going to bring eternal life to your life. Who you were created. Do you know that we were created to be in love and be in awe and be in wonder of the majesty and beauty of God? And then the result of that is create good in this world. That's why you're here. And when we sow seeds to the Spirit, that stuff comes out of us. Think back to your life. When you're sowing seeds to your flesh, and that's what's happening to you, corruption. And think back when you're engaging with the Spirit, following the Spirit, planting seeds of the gospel, doing good. Good happens. Eternal life happens to you. Then, again, God is not angry with you. So now we transfer a little bit away from the practical and into the philosophical here. Verse 11 Paul says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Uh, Paul wrote lots of letters throughout the New Testament. Most of the New Testament is written as letters by Paul to particular churches or particular people. Everyone except Galatians, he had a, he would just dictate it to somebody else. This book, it was really important to him. and He wanted to get it perfect. And so he wrote every word himself. That's what this verse is saying. And he wrote it a large, not... Like large letters, but a large letter. All right? I'm writing to you with my own hand. Verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. I want to think about this word showing. Is anybody ever just want to punch somebody in the face that is all about the show and there's no substance to them? Like drives you crazy? I need you to think something about me that's just not true. I need you to, be, to it's the showing. And this is what religion wants you to do. I want you to look at me and, and, and see something good about me. And that's, I think, one of, the, one of the beauties of this place is the lack of the show that we have. Like, we're just not that interested in, in making you think there's something happening here that's not happening here. We're not showing you anything but I think that we can fall in love with that notion and that notion becomes the show. I'm still processing through that a little bit. You're going to probably hear more of that, but I believe that we have this, this like I think about our, vis- our, uh, our, our value statements that we're, we love truth, people, God. Truth. Like we're going to be honest with ourselves and honest with each other. And we're going to seek the the truth about who God is. And then people, like we want to be real with each other. We want to love people. And then God, we want to love and and seek and understand who God is. Truth, people, God, that, that is the lack of show. But I think that we can fall in love with that notion and trying to become that notion or think that we're that and we're not. And we can create this, this bit of a show. again, probably shouldn't have gone here in a sermon because I haven't really processed this out or teased it out yet fully. But but the fact is like we what Christ is looking what Paul is teaching us here is there's this aspect to religion that is a show. And Paul is tearing at it, and what? And, and I want to tear at it. I want to lead us to tear at the show of what's happening. I don't need you to think I'm a perfect guy. I don't need you to think this is a perfect church. But I need you to see that following Christ honestly and, and strongly and fully will bring to us the, that which we were created for. You, you, you tracking there? Like, this is... The whole book is about circumcision and and showing in the flesh. And religion is about this this sort of show. And and we don't need to live there. Uh, Let's go back. uh, Where were we? Verse 12. It's those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would have you be circumcised. Circumcised is just a, a religious activity. We can insert religious activity there. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Like, like you're doing something religious is helpful to me. And that's what Paul's tearing at. Verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they might boast in your flesh. When... When North Church began, I used to have to. We were getting money from a couple of different organizations that required me to fill out uh, like a monthly, like questionnaire thing. Like, how many people did you do this with? How many people did you present the gospel to? How many people got baptized? How many people did this? How many people did that? And it's just a bunch of numbers. And every time, it made me want to like vomit. And like, like that's that's the goal, and and that's exactly what this is is tearing at is warring with and i there's there's more to it than that but but ultimately like i need you to glory in my religious activity and that's what what boasting is to glory on account of a thing because of because i look at you and 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 you were in bible study this week or because i look at you and and you presented the gospel to somebody or because i look at you and you got baptized this year like that makes me look good No, it doesn't. It's got nothing to do with anything. This is what Paul is is warring with and at. These religious people that want to count you to their own glory. Verse 14. But far be it from me to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world was crucified to me, and I to the world. And that language just means like the world doesn't mean anything to me anymore. There's nothing but condemnation in the world. There's nothing. Like I understand that, that sowing seeds to my flesh, living in the world, brings nothing but corruption to me. I've, I've practiced out the proverb that I just told you. And so now the world is condemned me. It might as well be crucified. I have no use for it. And the world has no use for me because of who I've become. Verse Fifteen This is uh, Galatians in a verse for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. You can try all that you want, all that you can to do to be to, to have something different, to do some religious act to gain Jesus, to gain God to gain. Favor with God. To make him owe you something. You can try all that you want. But circumcision or uncircumcision don't matter a thing. This is the slippery part here. Because it seems to be a little bit in contradiction to the do good and good stuff happens. Do good and happy happens. Or do bad and, and corruption happens. The proverb from before. But here he's talking about this is the motivation for us to do good. Is there's no religious activity for you. But the only thing that matters is the after this comma here, but a new creation. This is, I'm, I'm so excited about, about how this is. Listen, I need you here. This, circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you are a new creation. Did you do anything? When was the last time that you created life? You're, you're incapable of it. We're incapable of it. We're not capable of, of speaking and then a world existing. This is, you are a new creation. It's from God. The only thing that matters is what Christ has done for you and to you and now through you. That's all that matters. This circumcision or uncircumcision is the metaphor that Paul is using about this religious activity and that we've been using about broken religion. The only thing that matters is the new creation that you are. Do you know? Do you experience? Do you live your life as a new creation? Think about my friend Joshua. The only thing about him, his life is awful. It's really, 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 really hard. But there's nothing but happy about him. And it's because he understands the new creation that he is. You, in Christ, are a new creation. Rest in the midst of that. And then Paul closes this book with the ramifications of that. Verse 16. And for all who walk by this rule... That nothing you do matters, but only the fact that what God has done in you and to you and through you. That rule, peace and mercy upon them. Peace and mercy upon them. Would you like to have peace and mercy upon you at all the time? Yes, is the answer to that question. It's, it's yours because God has given it to you. Christ has given it to you. Verse 17. Let no one... Cause me any trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He's been broken for Christ's sake. In verse 18, he closes with this The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit. What you didn't earn and what brings joy to you is upon you because of Jesus. Nothing else. Not any of your religious activity, but because of Jesus. That's what is upon you. This is yours. And it becomes the motivation for us to go into the world and do good. Let's, uh, let's pray and respond. God, thank you for Jesus. God, thank you that we are all new creations. God, I pray for each of us here. In this place, God. God, help us to see. God, help us to see what you're doing in us and to us today. God, may you do something very practical for us. God, show us your direction. Show us how it is that you want us to sow seeds of the Spirit. God, motivate us by the beauty of your cross and your Son. Draw us into your presence now, Father. And guide us as we respond in Christ's name.